I love this chapter. Every time I read this chapter, I read it uh, once a month, but every time I read this chapter, I, I get uh, to verse 3 and 4, and I'm reminded of something that took place, uh, of an account that I read uh, of a revival that took, uh, took, uh, took place in the Isle of Louis. Um, it's an isle, an island over in Great Britain area. There's a place where they, uh, there was a deadness to the church. There was a, uh, a, a small group of ladies, and I say small group, I mean two women. They were, they were sisters. They lived alone. Um, uh, they were, I believe they were both blind. Um, they didn't get out much, but they had a heart to see revival in their church. They had a heart for their young people. And they began to pray and ask God to do something. Uh, begging for the mercy of God and for revival to take place in their church. Uh, that fire that started in them began to spread, and uh, some of the men of the church began to get together, and they began to meet every week. Uh, they would meet and pray every Friday night in a barn, uh, and they were praying and asking God to do something. And one of those nights, um, they got a taste of what God was about to send to that area, but there was a one of the men, a deacon in the, in the church that was there, and he, he stood up and as they were praying, and he quoted these two verses. Psalm chapter 24, verse 3 and 4 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. When he finished quoting the verse, he, he prayed this. He says, God, are my hands clean? And is my heart pure? And he fell to his knees and began to weep. And the accounts are that, uh, uh, that God moved on that place and they began to experience revival. Not, 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 uh, not, I'm not saying they saw the fire from heaven. I'm not saying... What they saw was a move of God. They began to confess their sin. They began to see, see themselves as God saw them. And they began to ask God to do a work in them. And listen, we're not going to see revival in our church if you don't first see revival in ourselves. It, it's not about pointing out somebody else's sin or somebody else's mistakes because the truth is everybody's got them, including you and me. So it, it doesn't do us any good to say, well, Brother Donnie, or, or, or Brother Frank, or Brother James, or, or, or doesn't, it, it's not good for us to do that. It's good for us to sing, search me, oh God, and know my heart. It's important for us. We need it. As children of God, as Christians, we need God to reveal to us our, our sin. Not as we see sin, but as God sees it. We want to see God work. We want to see God move. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want God to use us, to use this church. Do you know what we need? We need the Spirit of God to fall in this place and not fill us so that we're all excited. Listen, there's nothing wrong with excitement. I've been to services where people are excited and praising the Lord. There's time for that. But praise without first confession or without first making ourselves right is empty and fake, and God doesn't want it. There are, we're going to look this, this morning at a few passages, a few phrases that I believe are, are absolutely necessary. And if we can get a, a hold of these three things, that man, it will turn our lives around. And it may not be something that you need today, but I can guarantee you it's something that you'll need someday. Something that you need this week or next week. Maybe not, it may be something that somebody close to you needs. We find those things, first of all, in Psalms chapter 51. Warren Wearsby, author, pastor, preacher, evangelist, said this, What dirt is to the body, sin is to the soul. What dirt is to the body, sin is is the soul. I don't like dirt. 
I was, I w- I, now there were times as a kid I would go out and get into dirt because, well, kids do that. And sometimes kids really get into dirt. You, you, you find them and they're covered in dirt, but they, they don't really understand the, the dirt they're in. They're just having a good time. But we need to be cleansed of the dirt in our soul. I've had kids come inside covered in filth and mud and dirt. One of my favorite pictures is of my two older boys. Uh, they'd gotten into an, an, uh, a fire pit, that, uh, one of those movable fire pits, and uh, we'd had a fire in it. It was in our garage, and I hadn't emptied out all the ashes. And uh, my wife was, had them all dressed up, get ready, ready to go out the door. I don't remember what they were going to, uh, but uh, they had gone out and were playing in the garage while she was carrying stuff to the car, and they got into the ashes. And you ever hear the phrase, ashes to ashes and dust to dust? Well, that was them head to toe. Uh, they had taken the ashes and they had spread them all throughout the garage, all over everything that was in there, and all over themselves. And they were like four and three. And so she saw them and she was livid, by the, uh, for one. But two, she, uh, she wanted to show me uh, uh, what they had done, so she made them stand there in front of the garage and she took a picture. And, and Elijah, and, uh, Elijah has this just look of remorse and guilt, and he's covered in ash from head to toe. Ezra is upset because he didn't want to be in the picture, and Elijah's got him in a headlock, holding him in place with a sad look at it. It's what my favorite picture. <laughs> they needed a bath. They needed to be clean, to be cleansed. The, the effect of dirt is, listen, when it, when it gets on you and you go inside the house, my wife doesn't like us to wear shoes inside the house. She's one of those people where you take your shoes off the front door or I'm going to cut your feet off, and they can stay at the front door. She, she won't really do that. But she doesn't like dirt tracked through the house. It's, it's bad enough that she has to clean up after, after us all as it is or, or uh, how many times she vacuums or sweeps the floors. So, so she, she doesn't like it tracked in, but... It's interesting. If you remember uh, in the book of Exodus, there was a point in time when, when Moses sees a burning bush. And he sees the presence of God in there. It's a bush that was on fire but not consumed. And it drew his attention. And, and he, uh, when he turned to it, the Bible says when God saw that he turned to him, he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses, hearing his name, begins to approach. And he says, take off your shoes from off thy feet, for thou standest on holy ground. And I always wondered, why would God say, take off your shoes? What's the significance to it? There must be some reason. That's a very obvious reason. And I don't know why, other than I'm thick-headed. It didn't come to me sooner. But, but I can remember the day that it clicked in my head. Oh, because as he's walking around with his dirty shoes in the dirt, you track dirt into clean places, and it kind of gets it around. Now, it wasn't saying that, listen, the, the, burst, the, the bush was planted in the dirt. There was dirt all around it, but it was a picture. The fact that Moses had come out of Egypt, that Moses had been living his life, and Moses was a sinful person, and he had to put off those things that were unholy, put off those things that were sinful, and before he could come and approach God, see, there's an effect to sin that we forget sometimes. As children of God, sin breaks fellowship. Sin breaks fellowship. Isaiah 52, 11, you don't need to turn there. The Bible says this, speaking of the, the priests. It says, be ye clean, the bear the vessels of the Lord. That was a standard for, for those, those men of God who were to serve in the temple and to bear the vessels of God, that they had to be cleansed. When the high priest went into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement once a year and to, to make a sacrifice for all the people uh, in that holy place, uh, before he could go in, he couldn't just go in and do what he was supposed to do. First, he had to take a bath. He had to take off the clothes that he wore on a regular basis and set those aside. He had to put on linen, linen cloths and, and, and dress, dress a certain way. But before he did that, he had to ceremonial cleanse himself. It's a picture that before that we can come into the presence of God, we must be clean. If you remember uh, what, what happened, listen, sin uh, was born in the heart of Satan when he said that I will be like the Most High. But when man fell in the Garden of Eden, uh, what happened? God created man to fellowship with him. 
to walk with him, to, to, to be with him. In fact, uh, the Bible says of Enoch that he, had a, that, that he had a reputation that he pleased God because he walked with God. God had a desire to walk with people, to, to fellowship with us. But what happened when Adam and Eve sinned? The Bible says in the evening time that God came and he said, Adam, where art thou? Now, Adam wasn't taking a nap. He wasn't busy tilling the ground. Adam, because he had sinned, he'd eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God had said that he should not. He realized that he was naked. He realized there was, for the first time, shame. For the first time, there was an understanding, and, and his fellowship with God was broken. He was hiding in the bushes. He went so far as to try to cover himself with, with uh, the leaves that were there, which, by the way, wasn't good enough. What happened? His fellowship was broken. He was cast out of the Garden of Eden. Uh, uh, Sin, uh, the Bible says in the book of Romans, that wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and and death by sin, so the death passed upon all men. Because of that choice, it affected him. Death came upon him and all men. And no, he didn't die physically right away, though he did eventually die. Uh, That death that the Bible is talking about is not a, a physical death. While we all suffer that, while we all go through that, the Bible says it's appointed a man who wants to die. It's talking about a spiritual death that took place when Adam sinned. Ephesians 2 says this, that ye, you, speaking to Christians, were dead in your trespasses and sins. There was a spiritual death. You were born alive but dead. You were born a sinner. Everybody was. I praise God for verse 4 of that same chapter, but God was rich in mercy. I thank God that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin, that his shed blood purchased me, that, his, that, he, that he cleansed me, that he washed me, that, that he saved me, that he gave me life. The Bible says that you who are dead in trespasses are quickened. We've been made alive through Christ. But just because we're saved, this is what's so important for us as, as Christians. Sin still affects us. Sin affects us. And that sin can affect every aspect of our lives. Look with me to Psalms chapter 51. Now, Psalms 51 is, is about, is written by David. After he's confronted in his sin uh, of Bathsheba and, how, and the sin that he committed uh, against Uriah the Hittite. Bathsheba's husband. He, David, uh, the king, a man after God's own heart, a, a good man, a man who was anointed by God, a man with whom the Spirit of God was upon, uh, he saw a woman bathing. And he said, I want her. And he sent his men to go get her. He, they, she, they brought her to him. He, he took her unto him. I don't know if it was, uh, I don't know the, the situation. The Bible doesn't get spelled out for us very clearly, but we know enough that we know that what he did was absolutely wrong. Sinful, wicked. Another man's wife, whether she was a part of, party to it or not, it was still wrong. And then because of his sin, because he was afraid she got pregnant, and because of it, he was afraid that Uriah was going to find out, he brought Uriah home and said, uh, said go home to your wife. He, he was there at the battlefront with the, the other soldiers. Uh, uh, he, he was there fighting with them, and David had him brought back, and he said, go home to your wife tonight. And he said, no, how can I do that? He was an honorable man. He got him drunk and tried to get him to go home, and even in his drunken state, he refused to go to his home and sleep in his own bed with his wife. He, he, he laid at the, the, the doorstep of, uh, of, the, of the castle, uh, the, the, the place where David lived. He said, I won't go home. So David sent him back to the front with a letter condemning him to die. Adultery, fornication, murder. He was put forth in the front of the lines in the hottest part of the battle with a command to the generals to pull everybody else back and leave him there. Murder. 
Wicked, terrible, evil sin. And when he's confronted, praise the Lord for his heart. But I want you to see something in this chapter. that David's sin, uh, listen, it wasn't that it happened one day and the next day he repented of it. There is a year, uh, at least, that went by during this time. uh, Bathsheba got pregnant and had a child before he ever wrote this. Before he ever went out and wept over his sin. But I want you to see that his sin had an effect on every part of who he was. In verse 3 of Psalm chapter 51, it says this, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. His eyes, what he saw, was affected by his sin. Not physically. He could see, his vision wasn't blurry. But this is the same man that wrote, The heavens declare the glories of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. He could walk out and see the, the glorious masterpiece of what God had created, and he said, God is so good. He could see the work of God, and the hand of God, and the move of God, and all that he saw, because he was a man after God's own heart. But in his sin, suddenly he didn't see those things anymore. Because of the sin that had broken that fellowship, listen, what he saw was his sin. It was always in his mind, always in his heart, always in his thoughts. There's a reason he said Uriah to die, because somebody was going to find out if he didn't. There were whispers whispers between the people. Listen, he wasn't the only one involved in this sin. Other people knew what he had done. That must have always been there in his mind. His sin affected his thoughts. His sin affected his eyes, what he saw. Listen, the same is true for you and I. You do so. How many of you have been driving down the road and a cop pulls out behind you and suddenly you're like, <gasps> you ever see that? There's a cop, there's a cop with, a, with a radar gun on the interstate and everybody hits the brakes. It doesn't matter if they're speeding or not. Why? Because they're scared. Our sin is ever before us. There's a, there's a, a, a book or a story that I had to read as a, as a young person called the, the Telltale Heart. It's about a man who murders somebody in his home, and he cuts out the heart, and he buries it in his floor. And all he hears is the beating of that dead heart, afraid that somebody is going to hear it and know what he had done. Your sin affects what you see. It affects how you view this world. It affects how you view other people. Sin affects your vision. It affects his mind and his conscience. Look at verse 6 of Psalms 51. He says in verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. What David's saying is, you desire truth, but what is in me isn't truth. His sin affected who he was. His mind was affected. It's all he could think about. Your sin will do the same thing. So I've never committed adultery. Sin is not limited to adultery and murder. But actions of sin have consequences. God doesn't desire necessarily good things on the outward. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. God wants us to live righteous lives as children of God. But you know what it's called when you live righteously on the outside, but inwardly you're dead? Inwardly you are filled with wickedness? It's called hypocrisy. And Jesus said they were, uh, those hypocrites were like vipers. Like, 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 Whited sepulchers or, or tombs. Uh, they were whitewashed to look pretty on the outside, but full of dead man's bones. It, it wasn't a pretty thing. Well, well, they did everything that was right on the outside inwardly. Inwardly, they were dead. Your sin will do that to you. It affects your mind. It affects your conscience. It affected his ears. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, he said, make me to hear joy and gladness. He said, make me to hear it. Do you know why? Because he hadn't heard it in a long time. 
Now, David was a, was a musician. Uh, he played uh, songs. He wrote most of the book of Psalms. The Psalms are in books of songs. Uh, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That was written by David. I don't know what, what point in his life, but there, there are songs of joy. But here he's saying, make me to hear joy and gladness because he had lost his joy and gladness. He found no joy in music anymore. He found no, no pleasure in those things. Why? Because sin had brought about a, 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 a pressure upon his heart, upon his mind, upon his soul. There's a phrase out there. The sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay. It will take you farther than you want to go. Understand that your sin, no matter how small it is in your eyes, in God's eyes, is big. Breaks that fellowship, and it does have consequences. Not only did it affect his his eyes, his mind, his conscience, his ears, it affects his bones in the same verse. Verse 8 says, he says, make me to hear joy and gladness, that thy bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Have you ever broken a bone? I haven't. I've seen people with broken bones. It hurts. It hurts a lot. He's, he's saying, I'm crippled because of this. The, the, the chastisement that's upon David, the, the, the guilt that he carries is, is, has so burdened him that it's affecting him. And all that he does, every, it's like, he, he, turn your Bibles over to Psalms chapter 32. There's a, a good description of, 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 of this here. Psalms chapter 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Praise the Lord. Whose sin is covered. Thank the Lord. Blessed is man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For the day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, and my moisture is turned into the droughts of summer. He's saying the, 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 the guilt uh, that, the, that was upon his soul was so heavy, his bones ached, that, uh, that he lost all moisture. Have you ever been, you ever got yourself in a position where you're scared and you get like dry in the mouth? There was, uh, several years ago I went to Israel and uh, as we were trying to leave, um, for whatever reason, uh, they, they pulled me and the pastor who I was traveling with out of the line uh, to get on the airplane and begin to question us. And for two and a half hours, uh, I sat in a little room with, with two officers sitting in front of me, uh, going through all my luggage and asking me every detail of everything that we did throughout the day. It's illegal to be a missionary there in, in uh, Israel, uh, an American missionary. And we were there visiting an American missionary. So uh, there was some information that I was not able to share with him if, without getting him in trouble. And he had asked us not to say who he was or, the, or what we had done on certain days. And so I was scared. And besides those two guys, there was a the guy with, a, with, with a, a machine gun standing behind them. Like I was going to, as a 20-year-old, you know, overpower those two soldiers and then take out the other guy. No. You know what did happen? I was terrified. And when you get terrified, there is something that happens to your saliva glands. They stop working. I don't know why. I don't know if it's adrenaline or what it is, but I, my mouth felt like the, the Sahara Desert in the middle of summer. Uh, they asked me questions, and my tongue's cleaving to the roof of my mouth, like, trying to answer. I finally got out of there. David is describing the, 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 the guilt that's upon his soul, and he's saying, my, my bones waxed old. My, 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 my mouth is dry. Why? Because of his sin. Your sin in your life will have an effect upon you. Every aspect of your life, it affected his, his eyes, his mind, his ears, his bones. Look at verse 10. It affected his heart. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. He says, my heart is not clean. Your heart is your innermost being. It's, it's who you are. He says, my heart isn't clean. Your sin affects your heart, your desires. It affects who you are. Now, the Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitful, and, and uh, our, our, our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But, 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 but as a child of God, God's given us a new heart. But guess what sin does? It taints our hearts. He had a desire. It tainted his desires. 
His spirit was affected. Verse 10, he says, Create me a new heart and renew a right spirit within me. Our, our spirits are affected. Uh, when, 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 when we're under great conviction, when, when, when the, the Spirit of God has spoken to us about some sin, uh, there is a, a weight upon us that affects our spirits. Uh, we are, we are creatures that, that man, we're, we're to be full of the Spirit. God has created us to be full of the Spirit. To have a spirited life. But somebody whose spirit is pressed down by guilt. You ever seen somebody who's just down? Years ago, I and I've, I've confessed this to my before. Most of you know it, anyways. But when I was a teenager and homeschooled, I I uh, hated algebra and I I cheated on my algebra. Um, I I knew where the answer key was and I began to take all the answers and fill them out in the book and I did that for a couple of tests and the spirit of God was working in my heart during that period of time. And I will tell you, I've never been more miserable than those, that month and a half, those six weeks that I did that. Every time I went to church, listen, I'd love to sing. I'm not saying I'm good at singing, but I'd love to sing. I, I, but I couldn't sing anymore. I, 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 I love to hear the preaching of the Word of God. I, I grew up in church. I was saved. I, I thank God for what he had done for me. But it, during that time, man, it was, it, it was, it was painful for me. Every time the invitation was given, I would go forward and I would pray and I would, I would, I, I would cry and I would weep. Because the, the conviction of God was on my heart. Sin affects us in every way, shape, or form. It affects his heart, it affects his spirit, it affects his fellowship. Verse 11, he says, cast me not away from thy presence. Listen, David loved the presence of God in his life. David desired the presence of God in his life. But but our fellowship is broken by our sin because God is holy. Our sin is not. It makes us unholy, unclean. His joy is affected. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. His testimony was affected. Verse 13, he says, Then will I teach the transgressors. Listen, he couldn't speak the truth of God because he wasn't living the truth of God. His testimony was affected. His hands were affected. He says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness. He, he, he looked at his hands every morning, and it was those hands that had written that note that had sent Uriah to his death. He says, I'm guilty. a man who was known for singing. Verse 15, he says, open thou my lips. Every aspect of David's life was affected by his sin. Every aspect of your life will be affected by your sin. You come to church and you feel like you just you don't hear anything from God. You pray God doesn't hear you. You know what the Bible says? If you regard iniquity in your heart, I will not hear you. The word regard means that, that I know this is sin, but I do it anyways. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. David tried to cover his sins. We do the same. We come and we pretend like everything's good. That we don't have any faults of our own. We put a smile on our face. Whether we just had a fight with our spouse or, or whether, whether we, were, we, we did something that we know we shouldn't have done. We, we watched something we know we shouldn't have watched. We, we, we read something we know we shouldn't have read. We, we went somewhere we know we shouldn't have done. We, we listened to some story we should have walked away from. We told some story we never should have repeated. Listen, whatever it is, listen, it is not for my job to condemn you for your sin. The Holy Spirit will do that for you. But the truth is, we're all sinful people. First John says, if you say that you have no sin, then you're a liar and you do not the truth. And that the God does not dwell in you. My, 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 my goal here today is not to, to make you all feel bad about yourselves. My goal here today is to tell you, hey, we're all in the same boat. And there are three things that I'm gonna, we're going to look at here that can help us to live a clean and pure life before God. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is in verse number two and in verse number eight. Two words. It's real simple. Verse 2 says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity 
and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7, I said, I'm sorry, verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The first thing that we need to grasp is, is a very simple concept. When you get dirty, what do you do? You take a bath. Take, you, you, you get clean. But, but, but understand what David says here. He doesn't say, hey, I'm just going to do better, Lord. Because you can, you can change what you do, but if you're not cleansed by the blood, there's no, there's no real cleansing. He says, wash me. David humbly came to the Lord. And in fact, he says in verse 1 of Psalms 51, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me. He says, I'm not worthy. God, I'm just a sinner. Lord, I've sinned against you and you only. In the next verse he says, wash me. Listen, the only one who can actually wash us from our sin is God. Our sins are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says this, and from Jesus, who is the, is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. If you want to be washed by the blood of the Lamb, we sang that song, we sang it for a reason. Are you washed in the blood? The first thing you need to do is be saved, be a child of God. To do that, you must be purchased. Your sins must be covered by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't do enough good things to outweigh the bad things. You're still guilty because we're all sinners. We were born that way. But by faith, we place our trust in Christ. And we're declared free. We're, we're declared just. We're cleansed from our sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wash me. Wash me. God has the power to cleanse us from our sin. Ezekiel 37, 23 says, neither shall they defile themselves anymore with their idols nor with the detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. First John 1, 7-9 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, it says he is faithful. The word faithful means that he will always do it. Aren't you glad that God is good and merciful and that he is faithful to always cleanse us from our sin if we confess? See, the, the, the truth is God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when, uh, when he died for my sin and, and my sins were forgiven yesterday, guess what? Today when I sin... He's faithful to continue to forgive because the power of the blood is just as good and just as powerful and God is still good and merciful. In fact, the Bible says his mercies endure forever. They're new every morning. And guess what? Tomorrow morning when I, when I sin, if I sin, guess what? He'll forgive me then. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He's faithful. The next word in that, in that phrase is he's just. Now, just is a legal word. That means he's, that he's legally right to do it. Now, if I were to commit a crime and get arrested, the judge would judge me based upon the law and my crime. Right? What happens? And whatever the judge says, as long as his ruling falls within the bounds of what he's allowed to, 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 to do with you, three to five years, five to seven years, uh, probation, whatever it is, that's a just thing to do. Well, God is holy, and our sin has, 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 is against God. And the Bible says, uh, for, uh, says uh, the, the wages of our sin is death. 
Spiritual death, separation from God for all eternity, no fellowship, no nothing. That is what is just for you and I. So how can it say here that he's just to forgive us? Because of Jesus. Praise God. Because of what Christ did for us on the cross. His blood covered our sin. We sang it, Calvary covers it all. Right? His blood covered every sin that I've ever committed, past, present, future. It's all covered. So he's just to forgive me when I confess my sin to him. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, when you sin and your, your eyes are affected, your heart is affected, your mouth is affected, uh, your testament, when all those things are affected, and they will be, and listen, it is a miserable place to be. I am preaching this because God spoke it to me. Listen, it is a miserable place to be, but the answer is this. Wash me. There will never be a time when you come to God humbly and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And he won't, in his love, mercy, and grace, show you grace and forgiveness. There was a period in my life where I was struggling. I hadn't heard from the Lord in, in a while. I'd, I'd read my Bible. I'd hear preaching. Nothing was affecting me. And I can remember uh, I, I'd spent a day listening to the, the word uh, being preached and just struggling and, and just not, it's like, it's the loneliest place in the world. Because it, it's not about fellowship with other people. It's about fellowship with God. As a child of God, that's what we need. I can remember opening my Bible that night and saying, God, I don't know what to do. My Bible opened up to, and listen, I don't tell you, I'm not telling you to do this, to go home and stick your finger in a, in a verse. But I opened my Bible to read my Bible, and the very first verse my eyes fell upon was in the book of James. Says, but God giveth more grace. No matter what our sin is, no matter, listen, God giveth more grace. He will forgive us. But you need to cry unto God and say, wash me. Wash me. Now, I said there were three. Number two is this. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. another two-letter two phrase. Isaiah one sixteen says this, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil. It is important for us to confess our sin before the Lord. It is important for us to ask God to wash us and to cleanse us and to, to, to cover our sins with, our own, with his own blood. But listen, on top of that, we need to understand that God requires something of us as well. He says, wash you. Wash you. Sometimes we expect God to do for us what we should do for ourselves. We expect God to do for us what we should do for ourselves. I confess my sin, but I don't know why I'm still struggling. Stop going to the bars. I, 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 I don't know why I, I, I'm struggling with this, this, this uh, sin of, uh, of pornography. Stop getting on your phone or your computer or whatever it is. You're, you're, stop. You're the one that's got to clean out those things and areas of your life that you struggle with. God will cleanse you. God will wash you of that. God will, God will forgive you for your sin. He will cleanse you from that unrighteousness. It is your job to cleanse yourself. You cannot expect God to do this miracle work where suddenly, oh, I am just da 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 happy in my life. That is not how it works. We need to put in the work. We need to decide this was the direction I'm going, and now I'm going to go this direction. I'm going to leave those things behind. I'm going to leave those thoughts behind. I'm going to leave those, those, those people behind. Whatever it is that's holding me back, I'm done with it. That's what he said in that verse. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. 
Cease to do evil. In other words, stop it. Stop it. If you know that something is, goes against the Word of God, stop it. You, do you, if you know that it is a temptation and a weakness in your life, Satan knows it too. Stay away from it. In Timothy, Paul said, flee youthful lusts. Those things that are weaknesses for you, get away. Run! Joseph did that. Here he is, a, a handsome young man, a, a slave uh, for Potiphar. Uh, he had control of all of Potiphar's house. Uh, he was in control of all the things that were under uh, that were that belonged to Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife had her eye on Joseph. And she she caught him alone in the house one day, and she said, "Come, lie with me." Now, I don't know if she was ugly or pretty. The Bible, or the Bible doesn't tell us that. But he's a slave. She has power over him. But instead of succumbing to the temptation, instead of giving in to fleshly lust, you know what he did? He got up and he ran so fast he left his coat behind. Run! Stop it! You know how I started losing weight? I stopped going to McDonald's and Burger King and eating donuts. Now, now I've gotten to a point now where I, I, it doesn't bother me when other people are eating those things in front of me because I know I don't want to eat those things. But when I first started, somebody would, we, we have here, now, now, now more people are going to start coming to the meetings, on uh, uh, our, our casting the net meetings. Brother Dan is kind enough every time that we have a, a food that he's kind enough to bring a cheesecake just about every single time. And do you know what I love? Cheesecake. And you know what, uh, even in, in the beginning when he used to bring those things in, you know what I did? I ate them. <laughs> not the whole cake. I would just, I could have a piece. And listen, I'm not saying a piece of cake is, a cheesecake is sin. It's simply delicious, but it's not sin. But it's a weakness for me. Now, I, I eat before. So I don't have to even be hungry. I make the changes in my life so that I don't fall into those temptations. The same is true in our life. If there is a TV show that you know you shouldn't watch, that, 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 that you're just preaching all Listen, it's all over. It's everywhere. This mindset, this filth, this wickedness, this sin, it is in everything. But if there's something that you struggle with, whether it's your music, whether it's what you read, whether it's what you listen to, the people you hang out with, if it's there, stop it. Depart from it. Run from it. Cleanse yourself. He said, wash you. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says this. Turn your Bibles there real quick. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He says, having therefore these promises from the chapter before, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness you're in the fear of God. Now listen, this is what I got out of this. He says that we are to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, hey, listen, I don't struggle with pornography. Good. Praise the Lord. You might say, hey, I'm not struggling with, with, uh, uh, with foul language. I don't struggle with my music. I just listen to Christian music. I don't listen to any music at all. Uh, you can say, uh, I don't struggle with those sins of the flesh that very often get beat upon when, when somebody's preaching because they're the visible sins that we can see. And it's easy to judge somebody that's sinning in that way. If you know about it, I see what you're doing. I'm not, I don't check any, I'm not following you around. I don't know what you're doing. Holy Spirit's convicting you, that's the Holy Spirit doing it, and you need to get things right. But, but what I'm saying is, just because you're not doing those things, he says, cleanse yourselves of the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Just because we're doing things physically, there are the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the, uh, those things that, are, that, that have a physical manifestation, the things that I do, the places I go. Listen, there are things that we think. There are attitudes that we have that are just as sinful in the eyes of God. Do you remember uh, the story of the prodigal son? There were two sons in this, in this story, this, this uh, parable that was given by Christ. 
One son takes his father's, uh, what the, his inheritance from his father and goes off and with riotous living, spending his money on women and, and booze and all this. He wasted it all. And when he ran out of money and he came to himself as he, as he was there trying to eat out of the pig's trough, he said, even the servants of my father's house are better off than I am. I'm going home. And he says, I'm not worthy to be my father's son anymore, but I'm going to go home and maybe he'll let me be a servant. And we know the father met him, arms outstretched, and, and, and said, uh, put on him a ring and put on him, uh, uh, put shoes on his feet and, and put a coat on his back. And listen, he welcomed him home and praised, praised the Lord. Why? Because he turned back. He repented of what he did. But there's a second brother that, we, that many times gets overlooked in this story. He's upset. He's sitting outside. It is not fair. He went and wasted all your money. Uh, why would I go in and, and, and have a party rejoicing in the fact that he came home? I was here the whole time. I never left you. I always served you. Why are you celebrating him and not celebrating me? Wicked and evil spirit. There are those that murmur and complain. There are those that have bitterness of the spirit. There are those that are unforgiving. There are those that are, uh, that, that are, 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 are jumping to the, the worst conclusions about something. Well, listen, we need to be careful. that it, Listen, our sin is not necessarily what we put in our bodies. Sometimes the sin is what comes on from the outside, inside out. And you might say, hey, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this, but you're still caring about a, a root of bitterness, a spirit of pride, a heart of unforgiveness, causing strife, discontent, disunity, hurting others. And God hates that just as much. Wash me. Wash you. He says, we need to ask for the washing of the, of the Spirit, of, for God to wash us. But we also need to cleanse ourselves of those things that we can see, and maybe those things that we can't see. But I want you to know this, God sees it all. And it all has an effect on us. Second Timothy 2.22, I already read it, or quoted it, says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call upon the Lord. James 4.8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I love this passage. But the next words are, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The responsibility for the cleansing. Listen, our sins are, are covered over, uh, through the work of Jesus Christ. We're forgiven uh, or we're washed in the blood and the power of what Christ did for us on the cross. But he says, repent. Cleanse your hands. Remember when Pilate sentenced Christ to die? He did something ceremoniously. He washed his hands signifying that he was not guilty of the blood of the man who was about to die. But I, can I tell you this? We're all guilty of his blood because he didn't die because Pilate said he must. He died for our sin. He died in our place. And listen, I'm thankful that in God's grace and God's mercy, Christ died for us. That we're covered in the blood but in response to that, we need to wash ourselves. Sometimes, and this is, you ever walked into a dark room and you're trying to see, but you can't see anything? I hate that. What happens when you're in there for a little while? Your eyes adjust. You begin to be able to make things out. After a while, it's, it's not as bright as it is in the daytime, but you can see pretty well. A man named Vance Havner, a, pastor, a preacher, said this, it's amazing how quickly you get used to the dark. That we live with these, these sins, outwardly or inwardly, sins of the flesh or sins of the spirit, and we get used to it and we think it's normal. 
We live in a world that today, a, a, a society today, a culture today, a, a, a worldview today that tells us that sin is normal and okay. Everybody does it. It's not a big deal. And at first, we'll be all up in arms about it. But you know what happens? If you hear it enough, you laugh at it enough, it's around you enough where we, we become conformed to the mindset of this world and we get used to the dark. The Bible says that we're to be a light in this dark world. We're not to be conformed by this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Cleanse me. Or wash me. Wash you. One last one and it'll be done. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We find the disciples with Christ in the upper room. The Last Supper. Judas is about to betray the Lord. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be tried in a kangaroo court and crucified on the cross. But before he does this, before he leaves the disciples, we see him in verse 14. This, we see this verse. It says, If I then, your master, Lord and Master, have washed your feet. Remember what he did? Nobody would wash their feet when they came in. That was customary that a, that a servant would would, would come along and would wash the feet of the, those who were sitting at the table, or sitting there to eat. They, they would come and they would wash everybody's feet. But nobody did that at this table. But while everybody's sitting there talking, everybody is, 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 is fellowshipping, Jesus, the Lord, the Master, the, the Teacher, the, the, the Son of God, took a towel, took a bowl of water, and he began to wash the, fight, the feet of every single one of those disciples. You remember Peter, Peter says, hey, Lord, if you're going to wash me, wash me head to toe. Wash all of me. And he says, hey, you're already clean. He says to him in a different place, you're clean by the word that I've spoken unto you. This is a picture that, that, uh, that while they were clean, there still needed to be a, a cleansing. This verse here in verse 14, he says, as I've washed you, He says, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash the feet, to wash one another's feet. Not only God has the power to forgive, not only God has the power, the Spirit of God has the power to cleanse us. Amen? But the third thing that we, I think we need to take from this is this. We're to wash me. I'm asked to ask God to wash me. I'm to wash myself, wash you, then to wash others. If you, if you do a study in the book of John about water, it's really interesting. You follow the water throughout the book of John. In John chapter 4, uh, Jesus says this uh, in verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of, of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It's talking about the Spirit of God, which is in us, and, 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 and rising up within us, because the, the, He now dwells within us. Praise the Lord for that. John chapter 7, again speaking of water and of the Holy Spirit, He says this in, in 37 and 38, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The next verse says that, that, that he's talking of the Holy Spirit. Now, chapter 4, he had mentioned a, a wellspring. A, a well uh, is, a, is a, a cistern. It's, a, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, something that you would carry with you as you go. But, but here it's described as a river flowing out of you. Have you ever met somebody that the Spirit of God was just on so much that you spent five minutes with them and you felt clean? 
power of God was just resting so much upon that person that the, 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 the conversation that they had was a... Some people are joy suckers, right? You get to them and it's just dry and it pulls from you. It draws from you. You feel worse off. You almost pray, deliver me from this one, O oh Lord. I just... You ever meet somebody like that? Don't tell me who it is. I don't want to know. And if it's me, pray for me. <laughs> As a child of God, the, the Spirit of God should be so much in me and filling me up and flowing out of me that it should be a blessing to those other Christians that are around me. In fact, in Ephesians and Colossians, we're told to, to talk. Let's turn there. Colossians chapter 3. I don't want to mess it up. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Did you hear that? We're to teach one another in psalms, and hymns, and spiritual. Did you know that it's just not the pastor's job to, to scripturally encourage each other? You're supposed to do it for one another. In psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs. When someone comes to you, listen, there shouldn't be murmuring. There shouldn't be complaining. Listen, we all go through difficult times, and I'm not saying that you don't, we don't bear one another's burdens. That's not what I'm saying. How many times have we stood with a brother and sister in Christ and our conversation has never risen above the level of the weather, the, 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 the TV show that we're watching, the, the this or that or this or that, instead of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, what God has done for us, the testimony, the blessings, the, what God is working, uh, 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 the scripture that God spoke, spoke to my heart about this morning, the testimony of how God has worked. Listen, that's how we encourage and strengthen one another as, as Christian brothers and sisters. The, the outflowing of the Spirit of God, as I am so full of the Spirit of God that it is affecting all those that are around me. Instead, we're shutting off the dam, filling, filling that cistern with uh, that well that's springing up with sinfulness, with things that would block it up so that we've got nothing to share. How many times have somebody asked for a testimony and you just wished you had something you could share? Listen, it isn't that God isn't blessing you. It isn't. But you're blind to it. You can't think of it. Because your mind is so focused on other things. It's affected by your sin. There are people going through the greatest of tragedies that can still praise God in the midst of those tragedies. Brother David Peterman, uh, some, of you, some of you know who he is. Uh, he's a pastor. Uh, uh, he pastored a uh, church down in Rockland. Uh, he's now pastoring down in, I believe it's Connecticut or Vermont. Uh, but his wife died of cancer. And I, I, it, was, it was quick. We were praying for him as a church. In fact, there are churches all over New England that were praying for him and his wife. Never once in the darkest of those times did I ever hear a complaining word come out of his mouth. You know what he did? He praised God even in those dark times. Do you know why? Because the Spirit of God is falling out. A couple years ago, uh, when Arnie uh, was at Haldon Manor and not able to get out because they wouldn't let him leave because of, the, the, because of COVID, and they finally let us go in, uh, Brother Troy and I went in, and I just wanted to be an encouragement to Brother Arnie. I just wanted to go in and try to lift his spirits. And we went in, and, and after talking to him for a few minutes, he says, Pastor, Pastor Rob, will you pray that I can come to church? And I said, I've been praying for you, but sure, we'll pray. So I, I bowed my head, and I, I prayed and asked God to, to open the doors that he'd be able to come to church. And then he began to pray. And 
And the Spirit of God filled him so much, he, he begged God to let him to be amongst God's people again, to, to hear the preaching of the Word, and to sing the songs with everybody else. And they thanked God that, that, for answering his prayer. And that, that he was just so joyful. Listen, the Spirit of God flew, uh, flew, 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 flowed from him so much, I left there encouraged. I left there blessed. I wasn't the one who did the blessing. I was encouraged because God was in him. Listen, he was in me too. But listen, that's how we should be with one another. Wash me, O Lord. But it's on me to wash me. But we're also to wash others. That when they're in our presence, the Spirit of God is so much in us that it affects their lives. One more thought. Acts chapter 16. You don't need to turn there. Paul and Silas have been arrested for preaching the gospel. They have been beaten. Stripes upon their back. They're open, their backs are open and ripped open, sore. Uh, they're in pain. And they're singing the praises of God in that jail cell. The Bible says that the, the, the earth began to quake and the, 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 the doors sprang open. And the, the man who had given them the stripes, the, the jailer, the man who was responsible for keeping them in that jail, was about to kill himself because back in those days if there was a jail escape. You just, you're going to be executed, so it would be better to go your way than the way that the, the, through the torture. So he's about to fall upon his own sword. And Paul yelled, hey, we're all still here. Don't hurt yourself. Paul and Silas come out and through the testimony of what, what they had been preaching and what's been going on, the, the, the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? The Bible says he got saved that night and his house. But you know what he did? The Bible says he took them home and he washed their stripes. He washed their wounds. Most likely, now that we don't know this for sure, but most likely he was the one who had given him them those wounds. I'm sure he wasn't gentle in throwing them in prison. But here he was, washing the wounds. And this idea of, 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 of washing others, not only are we to be a blessing to those that are around us, we should be, but listen, there are those that we wound and those that we injure. Those that we hurt with a word that we maybe never even intended to do it, but listen, we wounded them. And do you know what happens to a wound that doesn't get cleansed? It festers. It gets infected. It becomes gangrenous. It, it comes to a point where it can affect the entire body unless that limb is removed or cut off. You may like, hey, listen, it's been a while. It's been a long time. I didn't really intend for that ever to happen. It doesn't matter. Cleanse the wound. Go to that person. Say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. About two years ago, I was sitting in my office, I was praying, and about a message, and the Lord brought somebody to my mind that I had offended. They didn't even know that I had done something to them, but I had been upset. I'd been angry with that person in my heart about some things that had happened. And God smote me in my heart. And I got my phone out, called him up and said, hey, I need to talk to you for a second. I'm sorry. This is what I did, and I was wrong. Say, his response was, I didn't know you felt that way. I said, I know. And I, I don't, it had nothing, it's not your fault. I'm not blaming you. I, I want you to know that I was wrong and I'm sorry. It wasn't about him so much as it was about me. Because he didn't even know what I had thought about the situation. He didn't know how I felt about it. But that bitterness that I was holding in my heart affects me. Unforgiveness and bitterness, it's like taking a pill and expecting the other person to die. A pill of poison. It doesn't work. You only hurt yourself. It only limited what God could do in my life. It only limited how God could use me. It only limited and messed with my relationship with him. Wash me. Wash you. Wash others. 
If we can get a hold of these three things in our Christian life, listen, these aren't big things. This, this isn't some new thing, but it is so basic that if we do not do these things, it will affect every aspect of our Christian walk. But if we can get a hold of this, we can live a life that is clean before the Lord. And God will look at us and see a vessel fit for use to fill us and to use us. I hate dishwashers. Now, my wife, my wife loves dishwashers because she doesn't like to do the dishes. And I don't particularly like to do the dishes, but you know what I hate worse than doing dishes? Eating dishes or eating food with dishes that have food stuck to them because they're in the washer. And they don't get washed correctly. That's Every time I take, the, take stuff out of the dishwasher, there's always food dried to it. It's, a, it's like you have to have a chisel to get it off there. I hate those things. I absolutely hate those things. So I wash the dishes. I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> it was a perfect illustration. This is where I was going with it. Now I remember. Thank the Lord for giving it back to me. When I pull those dishes out, this happened last night. I was pulling the dishes out and putting them away, and I pulled out like seven bowls that had food that had been dried in there, then put there, got wet, and then hardened. You know what I did? I didn't put them in the cupboard. Because guess what would happen if I put them in the cupboard? I wouldn't use them. I stuck them in the, the sink, I filled them with soapy water, I let them soak a little bit, and then I scrubbed them. God looks at you, and he sees the sin in your life. You think he's going to use you? Or he's going to put you back in the sink? Simple illustration. It's absolutely true. We're to be vessels of honor for his use, sanctified for his use. We want God to use us, to, to witness to our family, to, to work in a ministry, to teach Sunday school classes, whatever it is, to be a light in this world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We first need to learn to say, wash me. Cleanse ourselves and to wash others. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you see us as we are. Lord, I pray God, I pray that you'd help us to see us as we are. Lord, that you'd reveal to us any sin, that we could confess it and make it right, that we could be clean before you, pleasing in your sight, useful in your hands. God, that we might be right before you. Lord, if there's one here today that's never trusted in Christ, they're, they're still dead in the trespasses and sins, God, I pray that you'd help them to see today their need of salvation, their cleansing, purchase uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ what he did for us on the cross. I ask that you would have your way with us or that you would use us for your honor and your glory. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.